there comes a time in most every parent's life when you get to sit beside your son when he's behind the wheel. Oh my, learning to drive. We have some insights for you that you are going to love from a mother-son duo. Stay tuned for this episode on how to navigate those first days behind the wheel. Listeners, I know that you sometimes feel like your home is bursting with the boundless energy of your boys. Mine has been for a very long time. We want to tell you about Home Threads, where style meets the wild adventures of raising boys. At HomeThreads.com, you can find a collection of uh, furniture and home accessories designed to meet the needs of your growing boy family. They have everything from durable bunk beds to upscale gaming tables. You can turn your home into an attractive, durable playground, believe it or not. Uh, Janet and I both love their baking dishes. Solid, beautiful, functional. Anything you need for your home, you can likely find on homethreads.com, and we have a discount code for you. Go to homethreads.com slash onboys. You can get a code for 15% off your first order, because every leap, laugh, and loud moment deserves a space that embraces the chaos with style. Home Threads, love where you live. Welcome to On Boys Parenting Podcast, the podcast that explores and explains boy behavior. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison, founder of boysalive.com. Trying to keep track of everybody's schedule is crazy. When you have kids doing multiple sports plus school, maybe two different school schedules, parents, Keeping track of it all is a nightmare. I think there's a math story problem in there somewhere. There probably you is. Have four kids and they have three sports activities and you add in two adults. I think that's a story problem. Remember those? I do remember those and they are hard to solve. But we've got the answer for you. The app Cozy, C-O-Z-I, allows you to have all of these details on your phone and on your kids' phones and on your divorced other parent phone. So they all come together in one place. That's the beauty of it. You can share your link with everybody in your family. Your older kids can add their events. You don't have to take that on. And then you can see at a glance, everybody can see at a glance who needs to be where today. Easy helps coordinate, helps plan, you know who's going to be home at what time, approximately. And doctor's appointments and, oh, date night. You can schedule date nights in there and let your spouse know that he's got a date night scheduled. How about that? That he's in charge of planning it this time. <laughs> this is an app that is has been named a must-have app. For a Better Life by the Today Show. And I think that just getting everything in one place, it's color-coded, it's organized. It is a real benefit to everyone in the family. 
you can integrate it with, uh, if you already are using a different digital calendar, you can integrate that. So don't let that be a barrier. Download Cozy, C-O-Z-I, give it a try. Let us know how you like it. Learning to drive. While that may bring up fond memories for you, more than likely, if you have a young teen boy, it may cause you more than a little trepidation. We know from motor vehicle statistics that boys are more likely to speed, not all boys, more boys are likely to speed, drink while driving, and take more chances with peers in their car and crash. So how do you guide your son to a safe start in driving while also maintaining your own sense of calm and trust that he will be safe and he will be responsible behind the wheel? Our guests today, mother and son, have just recently navigated these waters right through to that moment when the sun drives off, leaving mom to busy herself until she hears the car return in the driveway again. And Jen too has navigated these waters a few times. Her fourth son now has his learner's permit. Welcome, Carol and Lucas. Hi there. Hi. So great to have you on. Thank you for being here. Now, you know, Carol, you've known this day was coming for a long time. What kinds of conversations did you have about driving beforehand? before learner's permit, just kind of the whole setting the scene for driving. Were you anticipating learning to drive? Was that a thing? Or because some some boys are, you know, they're 10 and they're already talking about driving. Was oh. that you? Or were you more like, oh, here I am this age and this is the next thing I do? I definitely wanted to drive because I do like after school activities that go into like six, seven at night. So I'd like rather have like my own car that I can drive myself home and drive myself there too, mm -hmm. instead of having my mom like, mom, can you pick me up every day? <laughs> nice. That is and the think... biggest advantage of having your kids learn how to drive. <laughs> exactly. And I think too, like Lucas is a younger, his, he has an August birthday. So he's one of the youngest in his class. So I think it was that process of watching a lot of his friends have their licenses and being driving and, mm -hmm. but it became like, okay, now is the time. Um, but I don't think we thought about the process of learning to drive. No, <laughs> very <not> really. Much. <laughs> yeah, I think we don't until we're in the passenger seat and our child is behind the wheel and we're looking for the brake on the floor of the passenger seat and it's not there. So how did you how did you navigate these? And I want to hear from Jen too, although we know Jen's kids were probably driving tractors and all sorts of things before they got to cars. But how did how did you and Lucas start this process? In the business parking lot. In the business parking lot. Well, I think the very first thing was we were with a friend and it's like, okay, <laughs> jump in. And I think he thought it was just gonna be super intuitive. And we were in a friend's driveway. And she hopped in the back and we started and he was like, whoa, oh my gosh, like this is not at all <laughs> what I thought it was going to be like. It's not Forza, mm -hmm. right? No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I think most of our listeners will know what Forza is because if you're listening, you probably have tween teen boys who play Forza, uh, which is a racing video game, super popular and a lot of fun and not at all like real driving. No. Yeah. yeah. And we went to the elementary school parking lot and did some loops there first. 
and then the business parking lot. Like mm-hmm. we spent hours, I think, in parking lots before we ventured onto any roads at all. Yes. Yeah. Good move. I was really grateful that my children had driver's ed, like had someone else doing that first process with them so that I didn't have to. So had your kids not, so your kids drove in a car with somebody else before they ever drove with you is what you're saying. You know, it was a long time ago. I kind of don't remember. I mean, I'm sure we did a little driving around, but I was glad to kind of turn over the bulk of that to someone else Mm. that we didn't do that so much pressure on us together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That didn't come in for us until, I think because of COVID, scheduling was really hard to Mm. get behind the wheel training. Um, So we were driving on double yellow line roads by the time he got to driver's ed. But for me, like not having to teach him how to drive on the freeway was huge. Um, So we left that to driver's ed. Jen, did your kids do driver's ed? Like, do your kids not have to do driver's ed to drive? Like different states have different requirements. So maybe we're all coming at this from different angles. Like where I live, you have to take a certified driver's ed class, pass a test to get your temps, then you can drive legally with an adult and then you still need so many hours with the driver's ed instructor plus your parents before you can go for your license. No, here yes. it's just, you can do 50 hours if you have driver's ed and you have to do a hundred hours of training if you don't have the Oregon approved driver's ed. So, but you don't, oh. it's not required. You can kind of go old school and just teach them yourself. Don't tell my son, Sam Lucas, don't tell him that. <laughs> so, you, you know, you said my boys, a lot of them did kind of grow up driving various things like snowmobiles, dirt bikes, four wheelers, lawnmowers, um, some tractors. Sam especially got experience like re, um, re-parking and moving vehicles in the driveway because as the youngest, like, he would have to move things in order to make uh, get other things in. So he had some basic driving ability. Um, he did still, you know, they had to go through the driver's ed process. And for me, one of the most interesting things when you are teaching or you have a young son learning how to drive, boy, do they pay attention to your driving habits. Lucas, what did your mom do wrong? What did you notice she was doing wrong when uh, you were learning to drive? Uh, This is going to be both for my grandma and my mom. California stops were like at a stop sign. You don't really stop. You kind of come to like a rolling stop and then you just go. Mm -hmm. I'm familiar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My kids also call me out for like, I don't necessarily stop behind the stop line. I understand legally you're supposed to stop behind the stop line and then move forward and stop again where you can see. Uh, What else did she do or not do, Lucas? Oh, gosh. I don't even remember. That's good. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, but I know he was very conscious before you started driving. He was very conscious of like, I think it's 55 or I think it's 40. Like the speed limits were suddenly <laughs> very um, apparent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I know we ended up having a fair amount of discussions and this is life, right? Yes, these are the technical rules. And yes, this is what you need to do. And this is what the law is. And this is what you need to do to get your exam or, and get your license. Um, 
But in the real world, sometimes when you're driving, it's just easier to stop where like that bush always, I can't see beyond that bush if I stop at the stop line. So I go up and I stop here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Real life scenarios. Definitely. But, but we want you to start out following the rules. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing, Lucas, I'd love your thought on this is that, you know, you're out there following the rules and showing your kid exactly, you know, what's safe and you're really cautious of your own driving. And oh my goodness, the people around you are not making those same decisions. Like hmm. what kind of things happen? So many, right? Uh, yeah, we were on the way to my driver's test to get my driver's license. Uh, we're stopped at an intersection and this guy next to me just decides, mm, I don't want to wait for this red light. Just goes. Oh. <laughs> Straight up goes. Oh, no. <laughs> We've been there for like 30 seconds. We're getting on the freeway and saying, yeah, you have to follow the speed limit. And everyone else is going, you know, 70 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. My son has commented on how few people use their blinkers to signal the, their intent to turn. Like, yeah. yes, you're supposed to do that. But suddenly when you're learning and trying to remember, you notice all the people who aren't, right? Yeah. So that's a lot around like the logistics, the mechanics of driving. And of course, you know, they'll become a habit. And one day, Lucas, you will probably do a California stop and then you can just chuckle inwardly of, you know, oh, no, I'm one doing day, what my I'm, mom and my grandma are doing. <laughs> I bet he's done it already. <laughs> yeah. I love that he's calling out his grandmother, though. That's awesome. <laughs> the reason I call her out is because... Um, I did it once with her, and she was like, hey, don't do that. It's, it's bad. You can get pulled over. The next day, she does it four times. <laughs> role modeling. How many times have we said role modeling is important? <laughs> right? It is never more important than when you are teaching your son to drive. He's yeah. watching. Totally. So it is such a big deal to turn over a vehicle to your your still your child. I'll put that in air quotes, Lucas, but you know, it's a big deal. And there's a a huge internal, I mean, we're as parents, we're, you know, so glad they're at that next step and you don't have to go pick him up after theater one more night and, and, and to see their sense of responsibility and all that growth. Awesome. And then Carol, I want you to talk about the inner the inner life of a parent of a new driver and how you manage the fear and the worry and the what ifs that we tend to go to as as parents of those young drivers. Yeah, I, I mean, it was definitely hard to see him drive off the very first time and it immediately brought me back actually to when he was in fifth grade and I don't think I let him do it till he was in fifth grade he wanted to ride his bike to school really badly and we don't live on a super bikeable path but it was this really big deal and so you know we talked about it and we rode it together you know all the things like total overprotective parent but you know we rode it together and then the day he rode off by himself it's like oh my gosh I just have to trust that everything I've done up to this point is going to be okay. And so when he drove off for the first time and that memory popped up, I'm like, actually, I think the biking was more terrifying, right? Mm. Um, you know, I felt like he was going to be safer in the car, but it is just trusting and, and you know, thinking that everything I'd done up to that point was going to somehow pay off. But it's hard to let go, you know? But I also realized that every time I let go... Like he makes this huge developmental leap with responsibility. 
I know that he needs that in order to be out in the world in two yeah. years on his own, yeah. you know? Oh, the dance, the dance yeah. we do. As hard as it is to let them go and to like to watch him pull out of the driveway with this machine that you know can kill other people and things. And oh, look, there's all those other idiots out there who could also hit my baby. Yeah. <laughs> as hard as that is, better to do it while he's still at home with you and you can have those conversations and you can be the uh, safe person that if something happens, you he can call help, all that, then this is such an important life skill for so many kids. I understand that if you live in a huge city and you have public transportation, maybe this isn't a thing for you, but where I live, if you can't drive you, there's a lot of things you can't do. Oh yeah. So that's perfect. So Lucas drives <laughs> off. He went to go do takeout pizza, the very first take out his license and he leaves. And like, I swear, like three minutes later, sirens. I hear no. sirens in the distance. I'm like, oh no. my gosh. No. And I'm like sitting in the back, like trying to figure out like which direction are they coming from? You know, and then of course I was talking to my mom today about it. Um, like I picked up, find my iPhone. Like, is he where I think he is? And there he was in the parking lot of the pizza place. But you know, that was the very first thing I heard when he drove off. That's terrifying. Yeah. Because of course your mom brain leaps to, oh my God, it happened. I was afraid of it. It happened. It's him. Yeah. I think there's this sense of that forward growth of just watching your child take on this new responsibility so capably. And I know for my kids, so I drove carpool for years. I had kids in the back of my car for years. And that's where I kind of got clued into what's happening socially. Cause you know, I was just the driver and they were back there talking and, and then once they could drive themselves, I felt kind of bereft of I'm not having hearing the social, I'm not having the interaction with their friends in the same way. And so I wonder if that's been an experience for you yet. And Jen, for you too, of that grieving, I'll just call it grieving of, you know, this phase of our children's lives and connect and that way of connecting with that their friends and happenings yeah yeah and i don't know if you miss this as much but i think the in the car time is where well this is taking right from you jen the play but your playbook of like you know you talk about all the things when you're both facing you know outward like having all the conversations you know whatever side by side conversations and to lose that and to lose that connection time that we had for well, in the summer, we were driving like two, three hours a day to get it done. Mm -hmm. um, so we were together a lot. And then now you're just gone. gone. I know. How is You'll that? You'll never for you? see me again. <laughs> How is that for you? It's freeing. Like, I know that sounds bad. No, no, you're good. But like. Sounds good. Yeah. It's like, oh, um, I want to go to this concert. I'm just going to go drive to it. Or like, I'm going to buy a ticket and then I'm going to go drive to it instead of having like a pickup drop off plan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You Let's know, having, it. having had four kids go through this now, um, I would never use the word bereft, uh, partly because I think I had boy children who just didn't, I, I didn't hear the ins and outs of their lives while they were in my car. Are you kidding me? Um, so, and frankly, a lot of the conversations we had were about lawnmowers and things that didn't interest me. So there's that. But the other part is that, yes, you do miss that time in the car. 
with them. And so as apologetic as my youngest son has been at still needing rides places over the last year or so, I know full well that once he gets his license, my time with him is going to plummet dramatically because he can do more of it himself. And um, when you said it was freeing Lucas, I know it's, it's kind of killing him right now. Like he has the capability to do this and he wants to run his own life and not be dependent on other people. And he's just not quite there yet. I want that freedom for him. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want it for me too, if I'm being, being real. Mm -hmm. What about you? Mm -hmm. I hear from parents all the time, how bath time can be such an ordeal. And yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, we use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, but they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son, Tyler, had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes. He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable creative endeavor instead of just a fight. And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. Go to dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys, 20% off for being an onboys listener. Yeah, I mean, it is, especially like the evening stuff. I teach a lot in the evenings and not having to figure out that juggle um, of how, you know, as a single mom, how do I get him home and get what I need yes. and get where I need to be? Janet, at the beginning in your in your intro, you were talking about, you know, how do we as parents trust that he will be safe and responsible behind the wheel? And inwardly, I kind of laughed because this many kids into it. I kind of think that if you are a boy parent and you are trusting that your son is going to be safe and responsible behind the wheel 100% of the time, you are deluding yourself. Mm -hmm. The truth of the matter is, and this is such an uncomfortable truth to live with. I have had to come to terms with the reality that I know my kids are going to make some poor decisions behind the wheel. They will. And they have. Mm. I shall not name any names, but I will say that just within the last very recent, um, one of my children got a speeding ticket for going very, very much over the speeding limit and is um, now dealing with the consequences ah. of that. So that's the fear for me as a boy yeah. parent. I know that they know how to drive safely. Mm -hmm. I know they are capable of driving safely. I also know that my kids in particular really like to go fast. Mm -hmm. They like to push boundaries. They like to push limits. 
driving in fours is cool, but if you can go really fast down a road in a car, that sounds even cooler to them. And Mm -hmm. coming to grips with that and recognizing that you have no control is kind of terrifying sometimes. Mm -hmm. We know that, I mean, Jen is our statistics gal, and I'll just say she's got a lot of statistics, but you know, we know by the statistics, we know that male drivers do tend to take more risks than female drivers. Male drivers do tend to be a a little more, um, shall we say, risky with their friends in the car or a little more show off when there's a girl in the car and these are all things that you need to talk about ahead of time because it likely will happen and as a parent I do a lot of holding my breath and hoping you know you role model Mm -hmm. and you teach and you hope that if they do something stupid that they survive and or get caught because here's the truth the kid of mine that got that speeding ticket I'm really glad yeah. That he got caught. Mm-hmm. I am. And full disclosure. And uh, Janet, I think you know this. Carol and Lucas, you certainly don't because we just met. My husband lost a son at age 16 in a car accident. Mm. I didn't know my husband then and I never met that son. But I have seen what that does to a family. I know mm. that this can happen. And so it's, it's terrifying. And yet... You don't want to say, no, you can't do this. You know, it's interesting you bring that up. And and I know, Lucas, you've talked to me about this. Is When I was in high school, I had uh, two friends die in a car accident. And um, one was paralyzed. And mm. that really impacted me. And, you know, so as Lucas started driving, like, that's, you know, at the forefront of my mind. And one of the conversations Lucas and I often have about whether it's going to a concert or driving or those kind of things is you'll you've said to me and I appreciate how much you can you know just tell me what you're thinking is like mom that's not me like you're basing all this stuff on something that happened to you but that's not my experience and and it's interesting to think about um how can I relay those things without putting them on you as you're Mm going to do this too it's a it's been a dance Mm -hmm. for sure my limits being based on my experience rather than what he's actually shown me over the years. Um, I'd like to hear some of your thoughts on this, Lucas, because as parents and as driver's ed instructors, it's so easy for us to say, you know, don't speed, don't do this. And I'm not asking you to incriminate yourself in front of your mother, but I'm wondering (laughs) if as a teenage boy, if you have any advice or insight on how like we adults can communicate that there's risks while also communicating that we trust you like how do we effectively help you guys understand like don't be stupid uh god that's a hard question yep (laughs) (laughs) um i think something that you said is like um i love you and i think you're like a really amazing driver but man the statistics are stacked against you which like mm. in me, that was really good. Cause I was like, okay, so my mom trusts me as a driver. She doesn't trust my like genetics and like. I don't trust the statistics. I mean, yeah. 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 You don't trust the t- statistics yeah. that are against me Yeah. in a car. 
Yeah. It's kind of like when you, when you like with peer pressure, like I trust you, but I don't trust the teenage brain when they all get together at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing in a car. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Graduated driving laws um, are a thing where I live. Is that a thing in Oregon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like your rules of you can't uh, drive after midnight. Oh yeah. And for the first six months, he can't drive anyone underage in the car. I know that that's something that has been instituted in many, many states over recent years. And as a parent, I find that super helpful because it's Mm -hmm. not just me saying, don't drive around with your four friends in the car. I'm sorry. This is, this is what the law says. If you do this, you're not going to get your full license when you're 18. And I think I would love for you to talk too about the, um, there was a point which when he'd been driving for a long time and it was time for me to stop saying like, do you see the pedestrian? Do you see the bicycle? Do you see the subway? You know, which I would do constantly. And then I don't know how it happened, but at some point I had you narrate. Like yeah. he started narrating what was happening yeah. in his brain so that it wasn't me talking, but I still felt safe in the car. Yeah. Oh. Like how did and that like, go how did that go down? Do you remember? You asked me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you narrate today? I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. And how was that for you when you did start narrating? I just spoke what I was thinking and took a little bit of effort, like extra effort, but it was not like the only thing I was focusing on was narrating. Yeah. And less effort than your mom nagging you. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to agree to that because you were. As we do, as we do. But did it help you with the with kind of internalizing driving to be able to say it out loud for a little while? Of course, I'm oh, sure yeah. you're in the car by yourself and because you are in the car by yourself right now. Um, and you're probably likely not narrating out loud. No, but I definitely do it in my head now. Uh-huh. Like I do the same things that I would say to her just in my head now. Nice. That's a great strategy. I like that because as parents, as the one in the passenger seat without the brake, without the steering wheel, it's easy to be anxious and be like, oh, does he see that that's coming? Yeah. If yeah. you have your child narrating that, then you know if he's aware of it or not. And if he's aware of it, great, handle it. Yeah, it helps me let go for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that was the other thing about the like, you know, we had to do the hundred hours of driving. And I would say that like after 50 hours, you were a great driver. Mm-hmm. And yet we hadn't encountered so many things that he was going to see on a day-to-day basis. So those extra 50 hours were excruciating, I think, for you. Yes, they were. <laughs> but, you know, I think it gave me the confidence. Like we've run into or navigated, not run into, um, we've navigated <laughs> a lot of the things that are going to come up. Yeah. Have you driven in a rainstorm yet, Lucas? No. Yeah, because it's summer in Oregon, but that's going to be coming. And, you know, in Wisconsin, there's snow and sometimes Mm -hmm. there's snow here. So, you know, it's an ever evolving process for sure. But um, that practice is super important. I wonder, Lucas, is there anybody in your in your uh, peer group or in your knowledge bank that has chosen not to learn how to drive yet. Yeah, I know uh, so many seniors this year that like come February when I am able to drive people, I'm gonna be picking up. Mm-hmm. Like uh, for an event that I did before I had my license, like I was like, hey, uh, Dylan, who's like the, like, the, resident, the resident driver of our little uh, area, like, can you come pick me up? And I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. 
and we had like four kids in the car, and I was the only uh, junior. Everyone else was seniors, and besides Dylan, I was the only one going for my license. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what did they say about that? How do you, do you know? How what's what is their reasoning about that? Do you know? I just don't think they like want to or need to. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's really important for parents to get this. I ha- also had a friend when I was coming up that she didn't get her license till she was 21. She just was, I mean, there was definitely some fear there and she didn't necessarily have to, although she leaned on other people, but she wasn't ready to take that step. And I think it's really important that we recognize as the adults that not all of our young teenagers are ready to take that step and to trust their inner knowing that they're not ready to take that step and not pressure them to move into that next phase if they're not ready for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that this morning that, you know, I think as, as I've parented, there's always that urge to what's the next thing and how can I facilitate that for them and, you know, supporting, supporting, supporting. And realizing that this is one of those ones where it's like, you know, if this is something Lucas wants, he needs to make the appointment with the DMV and study for the permit test. And if we have to do it again, that's how it works. Like to let go of the facilitation of that because it's such a huge responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So important to respect your kid's timeline on this one. Mm-hmm. Not all 15, 16 year olds are ready to drive. So if your kid doesn't feel ready, don't push it. And then at the same time, parents, you have to respect your knowing too. Uh, My husband was extremely nervous when his son worked on learning to drive and he didn't do it at at 16. He knew he wasn't ready then. He was more like 18 by this point. But uh, his son has, he has ADHD and he has some other issues and it very quickly became apparent to Mike, my husband, that like, there were significant things that his son was not noticing and wasn't aware of. And he was very concerned about his ability to drive safely. So like Lucas, the things you were saying that you were able to navigate or excuse me, narrate and say, yeah, I'm aware of this. Yeah. Nick was not doing that. And so his dad, um, luckily Nick wasn't like full speed ahead. I want to get this done in six months. They really took their time with it Mm -hmm. because both of them needed to feel confident that when he got his license, he could safely navigate the world. What words of wisdom, Lucas, do you have for parents out there who are maybe just beginning this process with their own child? What would, what would you say now you've been, I'll say through the process now that you have your driver's license, what would you say to those parents who are starting out and to the kids too, who are just starting this process? Uh, Take your time and don't worry about like getting your license exactly when you turn 16. Mm. Cause like uh, at the start of this, I was like, okay, I'm gonna get my license exactly on the 18th, which is my birthday. I'm gonna go to the DMV and do it. No, didn't happen until like September. Something, Like yeah. first maybe. Don't wait until the last three months to do your hours. <laughs> please <laughs> please yes please. that was such a struggle like pace yourself yeah make a plan instead yeah. of doing like two hours a day for three months 
do like 30 minutes a day for like eight. That's so much more convenient. Mm -hmm. Just totally, I'm like 100% on that. And like, I'm super curious to see like, like how, because we talk a lot about, you talk to me a lot about like, if it does, it's not supposed to happen right now, it doesn't happen. Like that's a little bit how his brain works. So like, how would we have done that? Like, because until it felt like, the, no <laughs> right? like until it felt like, okay, it's coming, I got to do this. You know, like last December, it was like, if we do 10 minutes a day for the next year, we'll, we'll get it. And it just didn't happen. Like, how would mm -hmm. we have done that to get it in the now? How would you encourage kids to get it in the now? I think what really deterred me from doing it is because we were still in the business, business parking lots. Oh. <laughs> And like after a little while, that gets so boring, but you're yeah. still scared to go on like an open road. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, and just like, you know, one of the things you did is we went to Alaska for a vacation oh, and gosh, yes. he drove in Alaska. It was so much easier than driving in a metro mm -hmm. area. You got mm. so many hours. And by the time I we got did. back from Alaska, it was like, oh, I'm totally comfortable now. Wow. Nice. So everybody should go to Alaska and practice their driving. Okay. With their grandmother. <laughs> With their or grandmother. I think I think we can just say seek out different driving experiences. You yeah. you mentioned that before, and Janet, you too, with like the rainstorm and and stuff. There are so many different conditions that we drive in. You know, there's there's driving in a country road, there's driving on the freeway, there's there's a four lane highway, and then there's, you know, an eight, nine, 10 lane highway, merging roundabouts. Uh, all of this is really different. And so I encourage all parents, you know, try and seize different opportunities to take your kids out. And so if you can, during a rainstorm, head to the parking lot again, the first time. Um, mm -hmm. I live in Wisconsin. So all of my kids at some point during a snowstorm, we went to a big parking lot and yeah. fine, just play around, feel what it feels like in, in there before you're out on a road trying it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Carol, do you have any tips for parents who are starting this process? Oh my goodness. I learned a lot of, I thought I was like a super like, pretty calm, stress-free person. And um, I think my blood pressure went up a little bit this summer. Like it's, I mean, it's so interesting, like to just realize the um, amount of letting go that you have to do when you're in the car. Mm. And I think that that's the piece too, is like, don't go to the next step, whether it's like a double line road or a two lane highway or a four lane highway, like until you're ready. Like if you can breathe through the parking lot, then you're ready for the business park. And if you can breathe through the business park, but um, I think that's it. Like really graduated. Yeah. Yeah. You got something, yeah. but graduating it in mm -hmm. when you're both comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. When you're both comfortable, you can both breathe. Yeah. Yeah. I have one thing for parents. We know when you tense up, we <laughs> oh. see it in our peripheral vision. We know what's happening. You're not slick. We see it all happening. That's such an important point because our anxiety can be contagious to our learning drivers. Yeah. Because I'm sure, Lucas, I'm sure when you're driving and you can sense your mom tensing up over there, like, tell me what that did to you. Uh, for the first few months, it was grabbing the handle that scared oh. the hell out of me. <laughs> now, now it's more of like, a, okay, what's happening that's going wrong in the, out, in the outside world? But for the first few months, I assumed that I was doing something wrong, which to be fair, I was, but that's, the, that's not the point. 
<laughs> it's funny you mentioned the handle because I was on vacation recently with my 21 year old. And at one point he was driving and we were going around a curve and I grabbed the handle and he goes, that's rude. <laughs> oh, <totally. laughs> because he interpreted that as a lack of confidence in his driving ability. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, but I was feeling a little insecure there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I love that you bring that up, Jen, because I think one of the things too is like I had to explain to Lucas over and over. I've been in two pretty severe car accidents, and so I had to say like, "You are doing great. I am just like I don't like driving with anybody." Yeah. Um, and so really trying again to get perspective because I think teenagers, you know, we're in this place where it's so easy to take things personally um, mm-hmm. and ratchet that ratchet that up to mean something. Um, so that's a really good point because Lucas, like you said, when you're the learning driver, of course, when your parent is grabbing for the handle, you assume you're doing something wrong because you are literally looking to them for feedback and Carol, some of it may be in response to his driving. And some of it is just lived response to, I have been in some really scary circumstances. So you could be the safest driver in the world. And I'm going to feel a little insecure here and helping your kids understand that frankly, it's not just driving lessons at that point. Like we're talking about emotional responses and empathy mm-hmm. and awareness and becoming decent humans. Yeah. hundred percent. Sorry. I had to go there, Lucas. Sorry. No, I love it. <laughs> no, that was great. That's it's such a good point. And that's having those conversations and, you know, another opportunity and all those hours in the car, you have plenty of time to have those conversations. So I have a question, Lucas, do you have, or do you want your own car truck vehicle? I have my own car. Ooh. Well, well, it's a family car. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I think your mom's name is still on the uh, title. Yeah, Yeah. 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 The reason why I ask is for me, there was the letting go with them driving. And then all of mine very quickly wanted to purchase their own vehicles, which is great. And I approve of, and that's a whole nother letting go. How much do you let them make their own mistakes in things Mm -hmm. like car buying? Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting process. Yeah. And I remember Carol, you sharing me, your sharing with me, your, the reasoning around, you know, Lucas having his own car and the process of choosing a car for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a whole thing. And I think, and there was that, like, you know, you're not getting a car for your 16th birthday. Like that's not, that's not a thing. I know some families do that, but like just kind of talking through, like, here's my thoughts on that. But really it was the, I think being a one car family as a single mom and then all the places that he needed to go it wasn't going to be reasonable to share the car um so getting a second vehicle that i yeah that i call a family car mm-hmm. <laughs> what were you gonna say about that like uh i have a zero hour this year so like i'm going to school 7 8 p.m i go at seven Oof, I'm there. seven Early. in the morning yeah and yeah. then i'm there until like 6 p.m at night Mm. so I'm at school for like 11 hours so it's like do you want to pick me up at 6 p.m and then drop me off at like 7 a.m 6 a.m yeah and you can't take the bus can't take the bus for my zero hour but there has been so many conversations around like okay like in the summer when you're not in school like 
how much do you contribute to the insurance and how much who's paying for gas when you're driving like so we've it's entered a whole giant pot of conversations we've never Mm -hmm. had to have and do you have agreements around that who buys the gas who pays for the insurance Yeah, yeah we do yeah and then also like if you have to have certain grades to get a discount on your insurance. So there's this thing like if you keep your grade, you know, if, if that doesn't happen, then you're going to pay the extra difference. Mm-hmm. So many conversations. What we did with insurance and, you know, we're a divorced family, their dad is still in their lives. But what we did uh, generally is like we would split the cost of insurance three ways. So their dad would pay a third, I'd pay a third, the kid would pay a third. Mm-hmm. And pretty much they're on their own for gas when it's their own stuff. Now, if I'm asking you to like, go pick up your brother or do something for the family, then yes, I may contribute to the gas. But if you're just running around doing your own thing, you're kind of on your own. That's where we landed, right? That's kind of similar towards you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that we have learned some great new information today. Lucas, I love hearing your perspective on this. Parents out there, time to relax and keep your hand off that handle if you can. And <laughs> know that, you know, you're not alone in the in the worry that we do as parents of new drivers, but having having the conversations and what you said about just graduating, you know, I can breathe now in the parking lot. We can go to the next step. That you both can breathe in the parking lot is really important. And uh you know, just take it step by step and don't rush the process. I really heard that loud and clear from both of you. Yeah. I so love, love, love that you're on here together and that you are willing to share this important part of the next stage of life for both of you. All good. Yeah. Lucas, have such a great year in school zero hour until 6 p.m. all the things and I hope it's a really wonderful year for you and uh, yeah thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for all you both do for boys and their families it's huge. Here's hoping that you got some great new strategies if you have a new driver coming up in your house and gotta tie this back to that Cozy app, C-O-Z-I. Guess what? You can log your driving hours in the Cozy app. You can make a schedule of when you're gonna get those driving hours in. So if you like this episode, please share it with a friend and we are on boys we are jennifer lw fink and janet allison and you are our listeners and we appreciate you so so much thank you